Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another episode for you today. We got Pete, and this time it's just going to be me and the boy Chris. What's going on, Chris? What up? Yep, so we're going to be talking about Malifaux, and this one's going to be interesting. We're actually going to start a series, uh, what we're going to call basically the Dark Horses of Malifaux. So we're going to talk about this. This is looking at what Dark Horses are and then what we see with... uh, yeah, which, uh, which masters and crews fall into that dark horse category. So before we get into that, though, there were a couple things that I did want to mention. One of them is that uh, probably about two and a half weeks ago now, maybe even close to three, we actually had a giveaway where we gave away some stuff that Weird sent to us just to kind of review and uh, look at. And with the stuff that we got, I was looking at it and I was just thinking to myself, why don't we go ahead and give this crap away? So we actually did that. And those of you that follow a weird place on Facebook, you already saw that I posted basically who won the models that we gave away. So I wanted to just also announce that I already contacted the three people, but the ones that won the items because they just left a comment on the uh, video was Sarah Cole won the uh, Wonderlust box, James Dyson won the rank and file box, and then Urza Thomas won the uh, From Nightmares book. So congrats to those people that entered. Uh, yeah, if you just check out the Rage Quit Wire YouTube channel, we do stuff like that occasionally, especially when Weird sends us stuff, uh, especially if it's random stuff like that where I'm like, I'm not going to do anything with these, so let's just give them away. So congrats to those people. Uh, also, Make sure that you guys are supporting the podcast. You can do that just by talking to us on our Facebook. You can talk about us with Twitter. Uh, you can even support us directly on patreon.com slash ragequitwire. So thanks to all our patrons that support us. Uh, definitely helps keeping the podcast going and growing. So last thing I do want to say is we also have a website where we're putting blogs up. Uh, ragequitwire.com. If you guys check that out, we actually just posted a blog on there today, which is about dark horses. So Chris, you've heard the term dark horse before, have you? I have. Yes, I have. So in your own definition, what is a dark horse? (sighs) I mean, something that comes out of nowhere, something that you don't expect. Okay. So the unexpected. The unexpected. I think when I when I look at what a dark horse is, a lot of times I think of underdogs. I think of stuff that's not used. Uh, it might be, like you said, something that's just really unexpected. And you're like, huh. Huh. What do I, I do now? What, what the hell is that? And I can speak from experience because Chris and I have played in a lot of tournaments together. We played a lot of War Machine and, and other competitive tabletop games. And... I mean, Chris, you could probably say that I like pulling out the dark horse probably more than I should. Yes, especially when you shouldn't. 
<laughs> I mean, do you have a specific example that you're thinking of? I do have a specific example that I'm thinking of. Uh, me, you, and Matt went up to uh, Columbia and played in a three-man tournament. Yeah, a team tournament. Three, uh, uh, yeah, three team, three-man team tournament, and Matt and I both were doing semi well poorly semi you know whatever you want to say <laughs> yeah and we needed you to win a you know, clutch victory and you were just like i feel like playing this list even though it was the absolute worst possible drop that you could ever drop into uh i think you were playing against ret yeah i was playing against retribution yeah yeah so you just you dropped the antithesis of what you should have dropped yeah, I think it was, uh, I think I dropped Wormwood, which it, during that time, it was actually a good master, but it was a terrible matchup to drop it in. And I don't know if I was, I was kind of doing like the Princess Bride thing where I was like, you know, do you think I'm going to drink the one in front of you? And it, I didn't, it didn't work just like <laughs> Princess Bride. <laughs> it did not work. Uh, I, I definitely am known for that. I, I gave the example in the blog I was talking about how I played like, Orcs and goblins in a in a meta tournament when they weren't good. Uh, I, I played like I think even you at one time played like troll bloods when they weren't good in war or in hordes, right? Oh yeah, I definitely did play troll bloods whenever they were not good. So I mean, that's the thing though. Even when something's not good or it's like people don't expect to see it as much, it, why do people play these dark horse factions and these dark horse crews? What's what's the kind of you think the draw of somebody playing that kind of style? To be an odd man out i don't know what i don't know what the draw is i always liked it i just played what i liked the aesthetic feel <laughs> of so you know whether or not it was dark horse you know i didn't really care about i don't care about winning i care about having fun well i think some people like to do it because it gives you like a snowflake or like a hipster feeling kind of like oh yeah you know i was playing like troll bloods or i was playing you know long before it was cool and now he's op so now i'm going to go on to something else yeah yeah I, I think people get a certain kind of value out of that where they're like oh i'm playing something that nobody else plays and i'm cool i think a lot of the re so i almost think when i play a dark horse faction or character or, or crew i think i do it sometimes because it's almost out of arrogance like i want to play a dark horse that i know is not good or not as good, I should say. And I do that because I want to test how good of a, in that game I am. Like, I'm like, I know you're not expecting this because this supposedly sucks, but I'm going to beat you with it anyways. <laughs> but how can you actually test how good you are at it if they're not expecting it? Therefore, it throws them off balance. Because they, they expect it to suck. I mean, it's not even that they don't expect it like just out of like not seeing it. Some people don't expect it because they're like, they're not going to pick this because it's terrible it's in the situation. Yep, yep. And then you do. And then they're like, huh? Okay. Well, we saw how that worked with your, with your red drop, with your circle drop into red. So, I'm, I mean, I will admit sometimes it, it goes poorly. I mean, that's part of it. I think when you play one of these dark horse factions or crews, you have to, you have to put reps in like you have to get good with this not so good faction. Yeah, you do have to get really good with it. 
And I, I almost think that sometimes these dark horse, uh, we'll talk about masters specifically because we're looking at Malifaux. I think some of them are dark horses because maybe their mechanics are too clunky or, you know, it's less forgiving. I think that makes a Malifaux crew sometimes a dark horse as well. Uh, so I think that's part of the problem. Like, for example, we're going to talk about Wong today because he's definitely, I would consider a dark horse. And I think that you can do some great things with it and there's a lot of fun there. But if you don't put your reps in with it, it I mean, it's fragile as all hell, right? I mean, it, things can go very poorly very quickly. Well, I don't know about go very poorly very quickly. You've played Wong against me many times and uh, we usually tie. So that's something. Yeah, and we'll talk about that as we get in the ins and outs of it. But I definitely feel like that's why some people don't gravitate towards these lesser masters and crews because you have to you're going to get your butt kicked playing this a little bit. Like when I the first few games playing Wong, I had no idea really what he did. I dropped him in some games where I shouldn't have, and you know I got cleaned up a couple of times. But once you start figuring out where their strengths actually are and how you can you know, really use that to your advantage. I think that's when you really start to get some cool things going on with it. Good synergy. Yep. So that's what we're going to do with this Dark Horse uh, series. We're going to go ahead and look at basically just some of the masters that we don't think see as much play or just looking and reading from the meta, how like some of the masters are not, they're just not used as much. They're not given as much love and people think they're trash which some of them you and I are going to talk about. Some of them, I think that even though they're not seeing a lot of play and people poo-poo on them, that you can still get some victories and get some cool moments with these crews for sure. Absolutely. So looking at Wong, and I'm going to pull up kind of our, our list of masters here. So out of the Bayou, I, I would say that there's kind of this debate out of who the two worst masters are. So, I mean, Chris, if you're thinking about basically buy you who would you say are probably the two lower tier masters for them uh i would probably have to say wong for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, i was actually going to say i think brewmaster is probably one of those as well i'd say brewmaster is up there so i think and there's a couple reasons why i think brewmaster his kind of flaws come with the system being a little clunky for him meaning like you got to you got to balance these poison kind of counters and you know if somebody can clear those conditions off you then you're not even doing that so then you're just kind of just kind of bashing around with with a master that's just not doing his thing whereas wong i think a lot of the the trouble you have with wong when you play him is you have to basically balance a couple things going on you have to balance these glowy tokens and then you also have to you're really careful because a lot of your stuff can die really easily. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Absolutely. I agree like, with you on that. A lot of it is squishy as all hell. So let's kind of just start with Wong as a master and crew. So Chris, when you've seen Wong do like do well, like what is he doing? Like what should people be dropping him into? Do you think like what kind of pools, what kind of uh, matchups? Anything that you have to uh, scheme very far for. Okay, so you're talking about ones like breakthrough and and kind of schemes like that? Yes, scheming on the other side of the board. Yeah, and that's mainly because there's a lot of things you can do with Wong to really put scheme markers far out. 
Uh, if you look at Wong, he has an ability called launch into space. Basically, you can remove a scheme marker and just put it anywhere in line of sight. Uh, the Pigapult can throw models around. So, I mean, that can help you score later in the turn. It's not going to help you out while you're, I mean, after you throw them um, across the board that turn. But then also people forget the, uh, the lightning bugs because the lightning bugs actually have an ability too where they have new horizon. And that's an ability where you can basically move a, a scheme marker six inches away from its location. So I think that's definitely a very strong um, pool to put him in is when you see a lot of like breakthrough and any kind of other scheming um, situation, definitely putting him in. Yeah, I would say symbols and then any other type of uh, long range scheming that have to go on. Wong is perfect drop. Yeah. And this this next thing I'm going to talk about, and you can either agree or disagree with me, Chris, but... I think the real dark horse for Wong is in Bayou who really struggle against armor. I think Wong can actually make somebody with a lot of armor very sad. Yes, I agree 100% with that, with your irreducible damage. Yeah, so, I mean, people that don't realize it, Wong actually has a lot of irreducible damage. And people will be like, well, it's not really consistent, but you're wrong. You, you can be Wong about it. You know? You're absolutely <laughs> wrong. I will agree with that 100%. You will well, not get any disagreement with me about do you, that. Do you remember the matchup we played at your place where you were playing Hoffman and I played Wong? And I think I brought two or three lightning bugs. And those lightning bugs almost machine gun the crap out of your armor. Well, you I think you were playing Russ. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I was playing Russ. It was, Russ. It was at your yep. place. It was at my place because that was the day my air conditioner uh, went kapooey and but, I had to get Brian over. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you it just, was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad, which was bad because Russ was kind of getting into the game a little bit and then you were just like, kablam! Yeah, I mean, so basically when you look at the lightning bugs, uh, their 10-inch their gun, it's 234 but when you have full power, you can discard a glowy token on a tome and it makes it irreducible, which is a huge deal against armor. And the thing about it is you don't even need to worry about the suit because you can basically discard a glowy token to get the suit. So it, it just it's just so good with armor. Uh, I think also the swine cursed have full power as well. Yeah. So that's two, four, five, just irreducible damage. Yeah. Uh, they just do it in melee. Uh, let's see here. I think also not forgetting the Pigapult. The Pigapult also does it. It's so nasty. Well, and then, so we have that irreducible damage, but then people also really, I feel like they don't respect the Fizap enough. Uh, Fizap is the shockwave markers. I mean, do you want to talk about how you feel about the shockwave markers? I hate the shockwave markers. Unfortunately, because I usually, you drop Wong into times where you know that I'm going to drop a brick crew and you just take full advantage of the fact that uh, you're just shockwaving every single one of my characters every single turn. Yeah, and it's, it's like, I know that you're, when I, and it's almost kind of just like a feeling. It's like, you want to know what? There's a lot of center or just center of the board kind of schemes. Uh, I really feel like this is where the action's going to happen. Well, so I like I, to take center of board schemes. Too. Exactly. 
So it's also kind of guessing what your opponent's doing there. And when I, when you feel that happening, when you're like, I think they're going to do something like that, where it's very, you know, synergistic. So, yeah, I mean, and then you just start laying down because you can put basically two of these shockwaves down. And then anybody within two of that, if they, they have to make a move 13 duel. But the key is there, you put Olivia next to them and then that, you know, 13 becomes a 15 move duel. So you just, you start just taking ping damage. You can put injured out. You can, you know, draw cards off it. You're putting uh, glowy tokens on the enemy. So you can use that to draw or do more damage. It just, it really stacks up. It's and, so nasty. And yeah, you can start cheating out of your hand to pass those. But I mean, the more you do that, your hand's just empty at that point. Absolutely. I took a, uh, I took a one out of your books whenever I played Reva and did that same. As yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was definitely good. Anytime you know, like, hey, they're going to bubble up and they do, it's like punish the crap out of them. And Wong does a good job of that. Uh, and especially when people don't play against Wong and they bunch up and they're like, oh, that's fine. I'll just pass, you know, a bunch of these. It's like, yeah, well, try passing 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then the lightning bugs come in and then the pigapult comes in and then you got a taxidermist in your face. And then you have Sammy putting injured and stuff on you. And it just, it can definitely become very overwhelming and then you're like how did i get here it's like i heard wong sucks how am i losing to wong how am i losing to wong <laughs> yeah uh, the the uh, exploding pigs as well it's just uh, it's so nasty yeah the stuffed piglets you get them for free so that's always fun i don't understand why they don't explode on impact i mean they only why have to have to take they only have two tests. i know but why do you have to take a test and then they explode, and then you have to take another test. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can. The funny thing is, especially if you throw them with the pickapult, you can actually choose. It's built in to have them blow up once they land. Yeah. So you, it's just test after test. So usually, I throw Olivia in there pretty early, and then I just make you pass a bunch of tests off that. Absolutely, and it's not fair in any way perform. <laughs> Uh, you, I mean, you've learned how to play around it quite a bit. I have, I have learned how to play around it. So I'm good. Um, I feel sorry for whoever we play next in a tournament and you decide to drop Wong. So let me ask you this, Chris. So looking at, we kind of got a little bit about what the crew's trying to do here. What is, when you look at a Wong crew, what is the model that you're just like, I hate that model. Like this model is just going to eat my shit or it's going to cause problems. The Pigapult. Okay, so I think a lot of... Now, people do know what the Pigapult does, but why do you really hate that thing? Oh, so many tests. Oh, and it, it's it's so versatile. I mean, not only does it shoot such incredibly long range... Yeah, 18. But when you get in range of its main gun and it doesn't have anything else to throw at you, it starts shooting at you. Yeah. Normally. And it ignores line of sight. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, once again... There's nothing in a Wong crew where it's going to be like amazing. You're like, you're not going to see any seven damage in this crew. But the fact is you're taking so much plink damage that it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. You're not going to see seven damage. You're going to see three times of two damage and you're taking the full two damage. Yeah. And the thing that people need to understand is you really need to try and burst damage down Wong's crew when you see it, because Wong has to damage himself and his crew 
to get the benefit of these glowy tokens. So they're just tokens that get put out, but you don't get them unless you get damaged, but you also get fast. So a lot of his models are getting three main actions and a bonus action each round. Yeah, that's actually where some of their uh, their synchronous uh, uh, capabilities come in is the fact that they're fast. So they can move, they can do whatever they want, and then they can do it again. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and then people don't realize, but probably the most important model in the Wong crew is the Gatro Bukor. Yeah, I was about to say the Bukor. Yeah, you want to kind of just talk about what you think about that? Yeah, I don't like the Bokor. The Bokor heals way too efficiently. It's area effect heal, right? Yeah, so, well, yeah, but you have to trigger it. But once again, you can use a glowy token to get that. Um, They basically have a one, two, three heal, and it can burst to heal every model within two inches of the target one. So, I mean, sure, that's probably going to happen at least twice a turn, three times if it's fast. (sighs) Yeah. So you almost have to time it where it's like, okay, Wong's crew damaged itself. I need to kill that before the, the Bokors heal it up. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> and then and they have Obey. So not only do they have Heal, but they have Obey. Yeah, and the Obeys are nothing to sneeze at either. Uh, they also can put out Shielded. So Protective Spirits is the bonus action where they can go ahead and shield a friendly model. Or mm. sorry, friendly models within three. So, yeah, just once again, just good, good synergy. Lots um, and lots of synergy. And I'll, I'll say the last synergistic piece that I'm going to talk about is Sammy Lacroix. Yeah, I was about to bring up Sammy. <laughs> because, because anytime a friendly whiz-bang model suffers damage during a friendly activation, you get to draw a card. Yeah. Once per activation, sorry. So basically, Sammy's just sitting around, putting out injured, drawing cards, and yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's so synergistic. It's good. And if you can get your reps in, nobody can stand against it. Well, I wouldn't say nobody can stand against it because I think it's ob- difficult to stand against it. If if you don't know what Wong does, you are going to have problems the first time you go come against a good Wong player. Uh, like I said, you though, I mean, being a person that's played against Wong quite a bit, I think you can drop a master and probably smoke it down pretty good, but I'm still going to get my points where I can. You, yes, you will still get your points where you can. I mean, let's let's face it. If it's a if it's a game where you're dropping Wong, then you're going to score a good anywhere from four to six points. Yeah, because I feel like you pick a lot of the scheming, and then you can get the the strategies that you want to bring him in are like symbols and. Uh, uh, what's the other one that he's good at? Uh, Leyline is pretty decent at. So uh, just ones where you can really just not, like you don't want to interact with yeah, the opponent. No interaction with the opponent, <laughs> absolutely. Like you want to basically kill their pieces, but also stay away because, I mean, when you look at their hitboxes, you're looking at like six, two, five, four. I mean, even their hitters like the Swine Curse are only seven hitboxes and, I mean, they go down pretty easy. They go down pretty easy, absolutely. Well, you're also hurting yourself as a Wong player. So, I mean, you have to hurt yourself. Otherwise, you're not doing the thing. And that's where the balancing act and I think where it really becomes a dark horse because it's tough to balance. You're hurting yourself and then your opponents can take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wong 
Wong is definitely a dark horse. So Chris, you being somebody who's played against him and you, you are not going to get dark horse by Wong. So what is some advice you can give people when you see Wong and you don't know what he does? What's, what would be something that you're like, okay, if you see Wong, you want to bring this kind of stuff and focus on what? Well, if you see Wong, you don't want to break up. So it, even if you brought a master that requires you to break up, figure out a way not to break up. Okay. And you want to stay out of line of sight of a lot of your models. Yeah, because that's another thing people don't realize is Wong needs to be able to place the shockwave markers and the Pigapult needs to see where he's sending the model that it's throwing, right? So if you can hide and spread out and make it where those shots are not as opportunistic, I think that's a good strategy. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you're only hitting one model with the Pigapult, I consider that a win. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, um, and I would just say that that's a really good strategy because I, I would also, as a Wong player, I would say if you have a really thick board full of terrain, that's not the board to put Wong on. It's you true. Need, Absolutely. You, you want line of sight. I want to be able to see not necessarily all the way across to the other edge of the board, but I want to make sure that when I deploy Wong, that I can see multiple points at the edge of the board. So when I launch my scheme markers into space, that they're actually going to land somewhere where it's going to score me points. Absolutely. Um, also, low-key, I've also brought a flying piglet in a Wong list a lot just to run schemes. So that's something else that people want to think about. Because who wants to go after a flying piglet? Yeah, they're fast. I mean, that's that's the sad part is they're very fast. Well, and when you kill them, they drop a scheme marker anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, any other strats? Like, what... Do you focus on killing specific pieces? Like, what do you focus on, Chris? So usually when uh, when you bring Wong, you bring the Pigapult, a Bokor, two Swine Cursed, or one, depending on what your drop is. Sammy, sometimes it's one or two Bokors as well. Sammy, usually, usually two Bokors. Yeah. And sure. then uh, two Bugs, Lightning Bugs. Yeah, I've actually moved a little, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I've actually moved a little bit away from the swine curse, and I'll, I'll say why here in a minute. But well, they they're in your face, and they do fall pretty easily, especially against most of the crews that I bring. Well, that's the thing, right? They want to punch things in the face, and they do hit hard. Like if you can get a swine curse in there, they're going to kill stuff, but they're going to die on the swing back on the crackback. Absolutely, they're not they're not a very good investment. They're not tanky. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, what I would say is usually you bring those pieces. So I would focus on your primary pieces that require that, that kind of build your synergistic capabilities. So when you launch Olivia or if you get Olivia too close, take out Olivia as soon as possible. She is only a totem, only three points, but she is a phenomenal totem. Well, she can also scheme. Yeah, she can scheme. She, you know, makes all of your uh, um, your tests a plus two. Yep. So all your willpower tests a minus two or whatever you want to say. Uh, but take out Olivia and then take out the Bocors if you can. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Sammy's another one that you're going to want to take out. Um, I actually think that if if you go after Wong, I actually think that's a mistake. I. 
I, oh yeah, I ignore Wong. Absolutely. I was gonna say Wong. Wong is kind of this weird piece where you have to just kind of be like, okay, Wong's gonna do stuff. Like he's he's actually harder to pin down than you think he is, um, because he does have quick getaway, so he can run away. Uh, basically, you also have to discard a card to declare triggers around him. Uh, he's just he's kind of hard to just pin down. He's just a hard master to get a hold of, and he's hiding in the back anyways. Yeah, any time that I've ever gotten close to Wong and I've tried to do anything, it's a complete waste of time. I would ignore Wong completely. <laughs> Let him do whatever he wants to some, do. Some people would argue that playing Wong is a waste of time. <laughs> it's true. Oh, man, it's fun. Dude, I just if you just love silly-ass shit, Wong's just a good master for that. Well, he's good. I mean, it's not just he's good at silly-ass shit. He's good. I mean, he's got a lot of strengths. Yeah, I just I think the major weakness is how the fragility of the crew. It's just you're damaging yourself and you're not a sturdy crew anyways. So you real you really have to be careful of what crew you think your opponent's going to drop because if you think they're going to drop a just a beast of a crew like if you're if you think your opponent's going to drop Nakima, not crew to be dropping. Not the crew to be dropping. Absolutely. Wong is hard to kill, but Nakima could probably do it. I uh, yeah, I'd say that yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's beastly. She has like you can do like six or seven damage on on the maps. It's good. Who else do we have that are dark horses in some of the other factions? Uh I mean, that's kind of what the series is. I think the next one we're gonna talk about is Pandora because we love Pandora, but apparently a lot of people don't. Seriously? Yeah, seriously, man. It's a thing apparently. Pandora as a dark horse? I don't know about that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, man. Um, so as a Wong player playing them as a dark horse, playing the crew as a dark horse, um, some models I actually am not crazy about. So first off, I'm not a huge fan of Alphonse LeBlanc. He's like a tanky, not tanky, kind of weird. I'm going to... He, he's almost like Lenny from... Uh, from the big hat crew, but just not as sturdy. It's just, he's kind of, it's kind of weird. He is. Um, so he, he kind of doesn't do a ton, but he just gets beat up a little bit. And that's kind of about it. He's tanky <laughs> though. He is tanky. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like he'll take, he's one of the few models that you could throw into some stuff and he's probably not going to die super quick, but that's it because he actually can use glowy tokens to reduce damage. Yeah. Which, which is good. Um, I, I'm also very cautious in which matchups I bring taxidermists. Taxidermists are really good, but they are eight-point investments in, holy crap, they can die quick. They can die very quick. <laughs> and, they and they want to get in the mix. And they, yeah, they want to be in the very middle of the mix. So that's kind of the key. I think, like, I usually try to hold them back. Uh, unless I think I can do a cute alpha strike, sometimes I'll throw two of them onto a model that came too far up the board, and then I'll use those two taxidermists just to beat the bejesus out of that model. Yeah, I can see that. But you really got to be careful because, especially you put one or two damage on yourself, and if you don't heal them up, they can just go down super quick. But they do like two, three, four damage with crit strike, which is nothing to sneeze at. It is nothing to sneeze at. Although Bert is so good. Like, I mean, you've got to bring Bert like almost every time. I do like Bert. Bert's good. Bert, and you can even throw Gracie in there if you want to get some Gracie action. Gracie's, Bert and Gracie are great. To, uh, good synergistic. Yeah, you could just pair those two up on a flank and just go do stuff. Yep. 
All right, so I think this is a good dark first dark horse, and these episodes are going to be a little shorter just because they're only focusing on crew, and it's not like Craig's deep dive. We, we're kind of just talking about how you know what you're you're going to be kind of fooled with. So I think we've done a good job of talking about them as a dark horse, how they're going to try to get points on you, and some things you can do to counter them, yeah. and what you, and what you're probably going to see when you come across a Wong crew. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a fun crew. If you haven't, if you haven't played Wong in third edition as a Bayou player, you gotta try it. It's just, Bayou is so goofy by themselves, but you have this, you know, (laughs) you have this sorcerer wannabe Bayou gremlin who basically stole a 10 Thunderer's magical bag and it gave him all his glowy power and he's just a wannabe Asian magician now. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can appreciate it, especially if anybody that knows me where I'm definitely not one where I I care about being politically correct. Wong is perfect for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Any last thoughts about Wong, Chris, or just anything that you can, any advice giving people once again, who are playing against Wong? Ignore Wong, take out his crew. Okay. Yeah. Focus on the support pieces. Focus on the sport pieces. Wong can, is still going to score points. There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop Wong from scoring points. But as long as you take out the sport pieces, you take out you you reduce his capabilities tremendously. I don't know. Have you ever thought about bringing tech pieces to remove scheme markers against Wong? I absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I uh, was playing. Um, the uh, the dead shooters that could remove pieces. I mean, how'd that work out for you? I mean, I got I removed like one or two pieces. I mean, you still overwhelmed me. Well, I was going to say the problem I think is when Wong wants to focus on it, he's putting out two scheme markers anywhere on the board he wants. Yeah, just himself. Absolutely. And then and then if you have glowy or not glowy bugs, but if you have lightning bugs also doing it, and then if you have a fi- flying piglet also doing it, it could be really tough to you can really start spreading yourself out thin trying to deal with that. Absolutely. I think you really have to, when you play against Wong, you really have to make very decisive, coordinated actions that are going to get you your points and deny deny things you can actually deny. So deny the strategy is probably the best way to attack Wong. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, that's our first dark horse. Uh, what do you what do you think about our little mini series here? Loving it. So let me ask you, and this isn't saying that we're going to do it. So you're a reser boy. What would you say off the top of your head is a reser dark horse? A reser dark horse. I would probably go with Reva. I'd agree with that. I think a Not lot of people. Don't. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Reva on the board. And I think some of the changes they made to her are actually pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I like Reva actually. She's one of my uh, one of my favorites now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's a pretty quick little crew. I'm not gonna lie. Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll talk more about this. I think each faction has probably about two good dark horses that we can talk about. Uh, and obviously, this is going to change. Uh, there's supposedly a uh, you know an, an errata coming up here soon that'll change a lot of this. Hopefully, I cannot wait. Um, and it should be sometime soon. Usually it's around March or April and we're into April. So here's for hoping, right? Here's for hoping. All right, Chris, any last minute thoughts or anything else you want to, you want to share your wisdom or part 
part people with before we uh, get out of here? I don't know, man. Everyone get vaccinated so we can get back into the tournament play. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about South Carolina, at least. I know that they just opened up vaccinations to the majority of the public. Uh, I was able to get a get an appointment with MUSC a few weeks ago, so or actually a couple weeks ago now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as soon as I, I get that and then I get my second one here in about a week and a half, I'm going to be pumped. And you, yep. best, you best believe I'm playing in person. Yeah, actually, I'm about a week behind you. So I got mine a week after you got yours, and then I'll get mine in about two and a half weeks. Good. We're good to roll then, man. We, we are straight. Let's do it. We're going to start. Uh, I know. So people that are in the southeast, at least, uh, I know the Georgia boys have tournaments that they throw on occasionally um, that should pick up. And I know that people in the southeast, we're going to start putting Columbia or, or sorry, tournaments on in Columbia. Uh, we usually meet up at Firefly and do tournaments there. So be on the lookout for that because as soon as I get the green light from Firefly to run a tournament, I'm definitely setting that yeah. up and, and promoting it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just because, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny because I was talking with people about this. And as far as like motivation to play the tabletop game and motivation to paint, it really is without for me anyways, without tournaments and, you know, being able to show off the models and show off, you know, your skill set, whether it's bad or good, you know, because sometimes I definitely make dark horse mistakes. But <laughs> the point is the motivation's not there for me when there's not tournaments to go to. I love tournaments. I love, I don't even care what I place. I just love going and talking and meeting new people. Well, plus you get to learn actually new strategies too. Like, I'm I'm really curious to hear people um, respond to this Dark Horse series, but I'm also like really excited to see how people are playing Malifaux besides you and me and a handful of other people we play. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think with that being said, though, Chris, we're good to go. Make sure that you guys check us out on all the social media. Check out RageQuitWire.com. And if you like what we're doing, make sure you support us on Patreon as well. But with that being said, I think we're going to go ahead and flip them cards and flip those tables. And we will see you all next time. Let's rage. you were. You were going to come to me. here you are. But you better choose carefully. I'm capable of anything. Make me a Aphrodite Make me a one and only Make me your enemy Your enemy Your enemy So you wanna play with magic Boy, you should know what you're falling for Baby, do you dare to do this? Cause I'm coming at you No going back.